0: Welcome to Moneymaker, the podcast that gives you the tools to enrich your life in every sense of the word. I'm your host, Nellie Gallan. Let's get started. I'm so happy to bring you a special surprise. I just had an incredible conversation with my dear friend, Damon John. I was on his podcast and we're so lucky that the, the conversation was so beautiful and so deep that I get to bring it to you here. And I hope you listen to it because of all the podcasts that I've been on, somehow he and I were friends. We went very deep. It was almost like a therapy session between us. And I think you're all going to get so much out of it because we went to places I never thought we'd ever go to. I hope you like it.
2: What if I told you there was more to the story behind game-changing events? Get ready for my new podcast, That Moment with Damon John. We'll jump into the personal stories of some of the most influential people on the planet, from business moguls and celebrities to athletes and artists. All right, so today's guest is um I don't know she's my she's my buddy she's been in my book rise and grind she has so many accomplishments you know um she has a podcast out moneymaker uh mi mundo rico i think that's the way you say it because it is the only bilingual spanish uh slash english financial literacy podcast designed for everyone uh and we know both of those communities uh need more financial intelligence. actually everybody needs more financial intelligence um My name is Nellie Galan and uh, Nellie is the definition of self-made and she actually has the New York Times best-selling book put out in 2017 called Self-Made as well as she has uh, uh, BecomingSelfMade.com, which she reaches over 750,000 women monthly and has really just inspired so many people. I'm going to get to the really quick highlights of who she is and where she's come from. Basically, simple as this. First Latina president of uh, entertainment for the United States TV network, Telemundo, and an Emmy Award winning producer of over 700 shows in both English and Spanish. And if I have to go into all the things she accomplished, we will never get to talking to her. So I'm just going to jump right in and talk to this amazing, amazing woman. Nellie, what's happening? How you doing?
0: I'm doing great. I've, you know, I've moved from L.A. to Miami. Uh, and I did it to help my parents who are old, but I'm loving Miami. And uh, you know, I'm dying for you to join me here.
2: Well, yeah, <laughs> I know we went out. We went out the other uh, other day, and we had a great time. Miami is a fit for you. I never did really see you in LA, but you're a global person. But Miami, because of so much culture and so and what it is over there, it is just it, it it's been your home way before any place else. But
0: you know, I had to go to other places to then finally come home. I think for Cubans. Uh, Miami is the closest thing to home because we don't, we can't go back to our country. I mean, we, we can, but it's not pleasant for us. And um, and this is as close to home as it can be. And and I think Miami is so international and it's just happening right now. You know, I was just in Madrid and, and um, I thought Madrid is kind of like the second Miami because all the Latin Americans are moving there because it's the cheapest city, uh, you know, of that magnitude in Europe right now. And it's
2: and of hot too. Yeah. So I mean as they say like listen, if you live in Miami or New Orleans that's the closest you're going to get to the United States. So <laughs> but um so but let's let's just jump into this. You know, you know your history I've, many people know it already, but I mean at the end of the day being the president of a network, a uh, television network is the highest achievement that you can really have in regards to a position in a television network and being a woman and that uh, is obviously much harder than, than, than being part of the old boys club. But you started off, I, I believe you started off as a reporter, correct?
0: I did. I did. I was a teen. I was like Lisa Ling today. I, I was a teenage reporter. I, uh, I was recruited uh, at a very young age. Uh, I was 17 years old and I went to, to basically be a reporter on the teen version of 60 Minutes that PBS was doing. And I had to move to Austin, Texas, leave my parents at 17. They freaked out. uh, And I had a a magical teenagehood because it was back in the day when they were making these documentary pieces on film. And every producer that I worked for at the time has become an Oscar winner.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, And it was, I mean, for me, it was very glamorous. And from there, I got recruited by 19 to CBS uh, in Boston. And I was like a producer correspondent. Um, and then my whole life changed and I had a, a, a magical moment happen.
2: But these, the, when you were reported, these weren't, um, these weren't Latin networks. I mean, the Boston yeah. one wasn't, was the, you said Texas. Was that the first one?
0: Austin, Texas, but it was PBS network. I just ha- it happened to just be housed in Texas. Um, and yeah, no, they found me because I was writing stories. Uh, I had I had gotten the youngest guest editorship at seventeen magazine, and mm. I was writing articles and they found my stories that I wrote, and they thought I should audition to be a reporter. They were looking for young reporters for that TV show and I got it
2: And you know, this is a question you know I, I love I love I love what we do here and, and when we're talking about that moment because I'm educating myself. I never really thought of this where does where do you get trained if any to become an executive at a television network or is that normally just producers that have worked their way up they have so many shows what is there any formal because i both
0: like yes usually grifts not 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 training but usually most people that go into running a network uh were in Usually they were in Ivy League schools
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they studied either English lit or they could have gone to Boston, to Harvard and then been in like, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a Harvard club of writers and that kind of thing. And they go into the way you, you you usually, not the way I did it, but the way people usually climb to a network head is really from a development place. You start as a junior Development exec that loves to read a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you have to pick material that you think is going to be a hit. And if in that trajectory, so first you become an assistant, then you become, you might even have gone into an agency and been an a- assistant in an agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you really have to know who's who in the business.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a great question, by the way, that no one ever asks. Um, you really have to know the business first. And that's why a lot of kids go into it that are the kid of somebody because they know the trajectory.
1: Mm, Okay.
0: Like you and I ordinarily wouldn't go into the, like we would have never been in that field. Right. And you work up the ladder. And if you find a hit show, you go up the ladder and you eventually become the head of development. And then you're the president of the network. But, those people the reason that they usually only last a couple of years where the system is flawed is you really don't know anything about business it's not like working at coca-cola where if you become someone that starts at the bottom as an assistant and you're and they think you're smart they put you in what they call su- succession so you're being roomed to be the president of marketing or the president of sales or the president and then those presidents, go into succession to be the president of the company, but you are very prepared when you become the president of the company because you have worked in sales and brought in money. You've worked in marketing. You don't become the president of Coke if you haven't worked in a lot of different divisions of the company and, and maybe even abroad. You have to really know the whole picture. Whereas in TV or in film, people are specialists and that's why you see, when you and I look at things and go, why did that movie get made or why did that TV? Sometimes the person that chooses isn't doesn't really know that much about the macro of the finance of the company.
2: Is that because is that because they're more like you said, right? They're 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 almost like talent scouts who say, I know how the world, I know how to bake a cake, I know that I need these actors, I know I have these producers. Um, I can put this cake together and they'll give you your hour, two hours or season kind of showrunners. Uh, I I'm, I'm trying to understand yeah, that's that. Why,
0: that's why it works that way, but here's the, this is why my experience is in a way better because when you're in a little cuchifrito, little network, that's an upstart, yeah. right? We can't afford, I can't afford to do the deals that everyone in entertainment accepts to be true, where you have 20 producers that get paid. It's all very inflated because people that go, that are the executives and the people that, they just follow what everyone's done. And, and, and church and state is separated, finance is separated from development and development is a creative field. And so you, you can't help but spend a lot of money to be in, the, in, in those big networks. When you work like I did, where I started at the bottom and worked my way up, but as a station manager, I've come more, a station manager in ABC would never become the head of the network.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's more of a meat and potatoes, local, but very fiscal job. And I came from the station side where you really learn the business, how to get the advertisers how to get local money, how to engage the community. It's much more of a grassroots way of going up. And we also didn't have the money. So I had to invent models of how to pay people and mm. how to get advertising. I had to do it in a more entrepreneurial way, uh, which, and I, and I don't think I would have ever been hired to be president of Telemundo if I hadn't launched so many channels before that in Latin America for American companies. I started a business before I became president of Telemundo that launched HBO and ESPN and Fox in Latin America. And I had fiscal responsibility for those channels. So I'm a weird bird because I have the creative side and I'm very fiscal. And usually people that become presidents of networks don't have to be that fiscal as I have been. Okay. of the work is what I'm saying. And
2: and, and you know it, it sounds like we're both very similar because you know I have a creative side of designing clothing, but I was very fiscal about okay, right. well it's nice to put a shirt together and but you know how are everybody involved going to get paid? And and I'm going to get into that with you because you know today, you know when we're talking about networks, it's like talking about dinosaurs and I know if uh, all the people listening, if you are, you know, Hollywood, they they say today when you go into Hollywood, it's no longer Hollywood. It's um, it's a bunch of blue collar workers working for tech companies because Netflix and Amazon and um, all the, the the companies that are putting out, you know, uh, uh, content these days, they care about their stocks and their shares. They don't care about. A lot of other things. And, you know, listen, they're doing a cost plus 20 or something like that thing where basically, if you don't know what that means, is if you spent a million dollars, well, 20% of that will give you 20% on top of that. So you spent a million dollars on creating something per episode. We will give you a million, uh 1.2 million. It's, you know, cost plus 20 when. And and by the way, you don't know how many people watch the thing because they're not giving you that data. So it's unlike, hey, I I'm John Singleton. I made Boys in a Hood for four million dollars and it just made eighty million dollars and you know I netted twenty million. Not twenty percent, twenty million, and those days are are over in, in Hollywood for the most part. So I, I definitely want to get into that. But let's go back to the basics now that we set the foundation. You move up, you go, uh, you're in Texas, awesome. Then you go to Boston. What happens there? What was that period of time? And how did you, you said you started having other little shows. What exactly happened?
0: Well, here's what happened. I mean, actually it was very, it was a life-changing moment. I get sent as a reporter to go interview. Uh, do you, you know what a stringer is? Like the person that goes and does all the segments for the news And then Diane Sawyer or whomever shows up and it looks like they did the interview, but you went and did all the interview. That's how you become a reporter. early on. And I was sent to interview everybody in America that knew John F. Kennedy for a special on the life of John F. Kennedy, a news special. Mm -hmm. And one of those people was Norman Lear in Hollywood. And he was like, what, you know, what are you? Are you Latina? Are you, I go, yeah, I'm Latina. And he goes, My partner and I just bought the first Spanish TV station in New Jersey. (laughs) Like, you should come and work for us. He should meet you. And I go later to meet Jerry Perencio, who just passed away a couple years ago. And he says to me, you need to come and work for us. You know, the Latino market is going to be huge. And I go, you know, I, I really like the last thing I want is to go work in a Spanish TV station. I'm going to be a reporter for CBS
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he goes, are you stupid? He's <laughs> like, you should just quit that. That's a factory worker. Mm. He goes, Do you not know the Latino market's going to blow up and you're going to be employee one? Mm. David, if you're you're going to be rich. Woo. And, and you know, like, I think that my, my superpower that I got in that moment and, and Damon, I always say this to my kid. Because I say to him, if, if you were me in that moment, you would have gone with your ego and been the reporter because you've had a mom that has been able to take care of you. But since I'm an immigrant, my parents had no money. We had, had trauma of having to leave our homeland from one day to the next and lose everything. I knew that bad things could happen to good people. Right. And I chose... And I say this because I think this is the big life to say. I chose to follow two people, not a job. Hmm. I looked at Norman Lear and Jerry Parencio and I thought they look smarter than me and they're both rich. So I'm not going to follow the sexy job that could be glamorous. I'm going to follow two guys that I think are going to mentor. me.
2: So you said you said you chose to follow your future instead of your ego, yes. and that is powerful. I've heard you say it before. So does that mean for the store owner today who is maybe having a little challenge and they're trying to convert online, I'm just trying to put it someplace else, right? And they just are embarrassed because they don't want to close that store down because they're going to look at everybody. Everybody can go, what happened? You know, when they know at this point that they are overextended, nobody's coming in, but they should just really concentrate on online sales. But that store that's been around for so many, so many years, they're like, man, I know, but people gonna laugh at me. My father built it, this and that, and they decide I'm going to keep it open for a couple more years.
0: I can answer that because I've had that happen to me. Remember, I've worked with so many entrepreneurs and, and like all my friends that their parents own bodegas. I tell, I go and I tell them, there's no way you can survive in this bodega. Go get a seven 11. Mm-hmm. You can't in today's world with Costco and Walmart and all these, you know, people that buy in bulk, you can't compete. So, If you want to do that, then go buy a franchise Mm -hmm. where you're buying in bulk as a group, and you get help from other people. And I always say to my minority little bodega owners, I go, you know, in life, you you have to understand what's happening in the moment, and you have to understand the truth, and you can't lie to yourself. And I made that decision in a split second to go with those guys. And I think sometimes when you hear someone smarter than you you have to acknowledge that they're smarter than you or that they're telling you something about timing or they you know, I've had so many moments where I think I'm right. And, and like, you know, Rupert Murdoch once told me something and I went, Oh my God, everything I've known up to this moment is wrong. Oh. And I have to pivot. So you have to be willing to know that you know nothing every day of your life. And especially now we're about to be hit with AI. With biotech, mm-hmm. where we're going to, I mean, the idea we have of longevity and age is going to be out the window. AI is going to change. If we're not ready to, it, in a drop of a hat, say, I'm wrong about everything, and I got I to pivot, you're going to suffer a lot in life.
2: How, you know what? So that moment happened to you, but let me ask you something. Let's dig deeper into when that moment happens, because that's the moment that happened. And, um...
0: and there have been many. That's not the only
2: one. I, I know, but we don't, you know, there's a lot of people that are extremely literal. Um, and you said, you know, a lot of people go, oh, well, then as soon as I get some great advice from somebody wealthy or successful or, or healthier, than I'm, I should just, you know, they're going to literally go, I should drop everything and say, I don't know anything. Or when those moments happen, what was the contemplation? Because how did you measure the information you currently had in your head with The new information that you were receiving, because I always say the only thing more important than the information is the source that it's coming from. So, whether it is Norman Lear, who has a you know extremely uh, uh a massive background in uh in, in in making creating wealth, or was he just being selfish because he thought that he wanted no, you the there. To talk
0: in a harsh way? He told me, like, you should come and work for us, You're yeah. Right it was his partner who was more honest. And I don't even know if somebody, Damon, I think what worries me in today's world is I don't know if somebody could even say that to a minority woman and like, get away with it. And I'm glad he said it to me. And by the way, he said other things to me that were even harsher later. And I don't know that someone would even be honest enough to say those things to somebody like me, because they, they'd be worried that, They'll get in trouble or that they're not being politically correct.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I get it. But and and you're right. And, and, you know, listen, if people care, they're going to say they're going to say it in enough ways that it's edgy enough. I believe that you will get it because if everything gets watered down, even the edgier people, they're still going to be edgy. Hopefully they'll say it in a more politically correct way. Where well, you get it, and uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of bad people in the world who will say things in that way, and they don't have any uh, good intent. And that's why I said, obviously, we, we 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 say, you know, it's more important the information of where it's coming from. But the question that I really has is how how long did you contemplate do you contemplate on some of these things? Because we're all gonna have these forks in the road. And if you look at people that have egos that kind of stepped away from it, maybe Bill Gates or uh, or or Zuckerberg or some of these people who said my parents wanted me to go to college, and i I, I didn't. I'm going to look like a failure. You know what? I got an idea called, I don't know, Microsoft. I, I have no idea, but how long do you contemplate these moments when they come?
0: Well, I think that one I didn't contemplate very long. First of all, I was very young. Yeah. and I when he said to me, "You're a factory worker." Mm. that resonated like truth to me. Like I was a factory worker. I was going, it sounded glamorous what I was doing, but I was shooting 10 segments a day. And I was on, I was on the path to being a network correspondent, but I wasn't there yet. Mm -hmm. I was basically a schlepper making a lot of pieces. Um, And, and I, and I also saw the politics of being at a network news division. Um, So, it, re- it resonated with me that it was truth. And I think I think that I'm very much a critical thinker. So I can tell you many times in my life after that, I've heard other things from other people and I have to, you know, sometimes I hear it and I throw it away because I, I think there's a hidden agenda with whatever they're telling me or whatever. But when I hear truth and I hear it from a very smart person, I I think that's one of my, I think that's one of my good traits that I can really uh, accept that they might be, that they might know something more than me. And sometimes I know something more than other people. You know, I've told other people things that are, that I believe are truth for them. And they've made decisions based on what I've told them. So I think that that's, I can't tell somebody, this is when you know, I think that's, you have to have intuition. And you have to also listen to your intuition, and I remind myself of that all the time. Right. Even now.
2: Well, let's let's go into let's let's get a little deeper into it. All right. Now you all of a sudden you say all right I'll accept this position or whatever the case is. I have two questions and maybe you can answer them collectively or you can answer them one at a time. Yep. Yeah. Now you got a lot of pressure. He has a he, they have a big investment that they are turning that they are going uh, you know and moving on to. You happen to go in there so. Number one, you're part of their new baby. Um, you know what? You know how did they earn your respect? Because first of all, you're new. I just, I just found you over here. I'm putting you over here. So number one, how did you earn their respect? And number two, well now, new network.
0: Some no, woman enough. who was in
2: Boston, huh?
0: It was a TV
2: station. Uh, excuse me. New TV station. Some woman that was in Boston is coming over here. She's Latin. Okay, who the hell is she? She's my boss. So now you have your boss looking at you and your employees looking at you, and you have to make this
0: shit happen. You know what? I'll tell you something. I don't, I think there are moments in your life where you're in the right place in the right time. I don't think. That the stakes were as high as you think they were, because I didn't realize this at the time. But they owned a lot of different companies, both in TV. Uh, Jerry Parenteau was a boxing promoter. He owned a whole boxing. This was like a little investment, like if you're buying a house, to them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, compared to all the money they were. This was like a little house, and I, what I didn't realize, and, and you're gonna you're gonna freak out when I tell you uh, when I answer your question. I think they expected this little house that they bought that was a little rinky-dinky station to be their tax write-off. I think that when I started making money, they were like in shock. They thought, and I I think that, again, in my naivete of not understanding business, I didn't realize that very wealthy people, just like if you're, let's just use an example. If you're, um, you know, I don't know, ABC, right? And you're you, you don't know why ABC buys twenty channels. And what you what you find out when you become an insider is that at the end of the year if they if they make too much money, they buy businesses that are in bad shape, so they don't pay taxes. And then they have a a long time to make those things turn around. I, I think I didn't understand the macro of how conglomerates work and people that own many assets buy sometimes things that lose money for them. And they, they're are tax writers. And the reason I know this to be true is because I'm running this little rinky dinky thing, and I'm figuring they're like, here, figure it out. <laughs> you know, they weren't paying that much attention to me. And I uh on OPM learned how to run a TV station. I made a lot of mistakes that they didn't see. And but I was lucky because they were right. The Latino thing was about to hit, and the one area where it was hitting is that Radio City Music Hall was bringing in Menudo, mm.
1: Latino
0: artists that nobody knew about. And it was the era. Gloria Stefan was a nobody then. Mm-hmm. People were putting them in Radio City and they'd sell out. And those people started coming to me, the, radio, the, the record companies were coming to me and going, can we cut a deal with you with these acts that nobody knows yet? Can you put on a lot of commercials for them? And, and, and I go, yeah, well, let's split the box office. Mm-hmm. And nobody knew that that was going to be big. And and when I, the first year I was in business, I made so much money that Norman Lear and Jerry Printer go, oh, my God, you're supposed to be our tax write-off. We got to go buy a building. Go, get, You know, like, I had to learn to go buy a building to spend the money. Go yeah. buy equipment. Go you know?
2: Right, so so I want I want to break down what you said, oh. and, and this is absolutely amazing because there's two aspects to it, right? <laughs> so what you said that people need to understand is that you know as you're growing businesses, you need more write-offs, and the IRS gives you up to three years to write off things. So you what you try to find is undervalued assets that you invest in, and in the worst scenario that. The, the asset is still a loss. You get to take a loss on where is funding the business. And that's why they said, hey, holy crap. You're not supposed to make money. You made money. All right, go buy a building, one of the cases. So that's, that is true. And I do agree on something else that there's one aspect of what you're saying is like, you know, it, this is the same as on Shark Tank, right? I got, you know, it, three out of 10 companies will hit and that's great. But when you when they buy a company Please do not confuse what Nelly is saying is that they don't buy these underappreciated assets with the hopes of clearly losing money. Because if you really think of the key of what she said, he was like, are you kidding me? The Latin market is going to be huge. So what it really is, is that I hope in best oh, efforts that this direction we're going, if we're going to lose money, we're going to lose money with some potential rock stars.
0: Yeah, they know that there's a runway
2: right
0: and venture knows this too there's a runway where all businesses lose money and at that moment, if that company that thing that you bought loses money, it helps you if you have other businesses to write things off so you don't pay as many taxes right and and Damon, you know you and I have been talking a lot about my friend Julio, who's a tax goat yep And I you know the next book I'm writing is about taxes with him mm-hmm. because I feel that what I learned at a very young age is the game of money. Yeah. That that the reason that this, that, like, and what people don't know is that the government, uh, you know, in the, the tax laws are meant to be uh, good for both of us. Like, in other words, you're, you're, you should be entrepreneurial because the tax laws are meant to help entrepreneurs, not necessarily employees. And yeah. so- the fact of the matter is uh, when you're a small company and you're struggling and it takes you years to take off and then you start making money. But once you make a lot of money, you should be buying other businesses because the tax laws are there to incentivize you to keep investing, sometimes lose money that helps you with your taxes so you can keep going because they want people to, to build more businesses And create
2: more jobs. Right. So everybody listening now, listen, this is why that moment will go into various areas. Like I still and and I'm trying to get a hold of uh, you know, we're trying to get the time that I I sit with your tax side because there's there's also what Nelly is talking about is tax laws and the true access to large wealth in this country is not only tax laws, but there's something called the tax codes. Now, tax laws are generally laws and tax codes are something now that are implemented and they change and they come here and they go. Right. I mean, I'll give you a tax code. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, I've shared with everybody this. Uh, The covid law, when it happened, the relief um, up until last year, you can get a 100 percent write off for any of your business meal expenses because they wanted to get the restaurants back up and going. That means prior to that it was 50% and then it was a 100% write off it was business related that means you cannot go to the grocery and write that off you can't go to the grocery store it's even questionable if you had even gotten an uber eats but if you went into a restaurant and you put down your card and you were having a business meeting well that's a 100% now even in that sense, think about it like this. If you went to a hotel and you went downstairs from the hotel to the lobby into a restaurant and you use your hotel card and you said, hey, put that on my room. Well, that was only under your hotel. It only gets a 50% write-off. If you took your credit card out separately and put it on the table, that would have been a 100% write-off. Now, could you have saved now $10,000, 20000 150000 whatever the case is. Tax codes are made. Now, they say that traditionally, and it's been changing a little bit, tax codes have been also they have left out minorities and women in the past in this history of this country. You should understand the tax code because there are ways that they'll incentivize you to buy radio stations, to buy this if it works within the tax code. And the way that the wealthy – all these people want to know, why don't the wealthy pay tax? I'll give you an example. If you have buildings, as Nelly just said, you just bought a building, right? You have, and you buy a couple of buildings and the buildings go up in a lot of value. What they say you can do, I'm not a big real estate guy, is you take out a mortgage or an equity loan on that building. You now pay back the interest. It's not taxes, right? You you pay back 7%, 12%. It's not a sale. But if you do sell the business or a stock, one year after you purchase it now you paid the capital gains taxes right and then nelly is saying there's also uh for all those who know real estate if you then take that money and invest it into a bigger building you have a separate code that nice you pay cash. exactly so that's all the good stuff we will talk about that at another time but you can definitely follow nelly to find out all that but i'm going to go back into that moment where now let's think about it Here's exactly what happened. Let's talk about it from Shark Tank. Let's talk about it from your small business perspective, right? You have three or four things you're selling out of your store. And, you know, let's just really get down to simple, right? You're selling shoes and you're selling um, accessories, whatever the case. You have different departments. You're looking over there going, you know what? The hosiery department, people always come and ask them, well, we're not really investing in that. You know what? Let's buy a couple of things and put it over there. And let's hopefully think that it'll work. But you're doing that by 10 different categories in your store. What Nellie's saying is, they were like, Yeah, okay, Nellie, I got this new thing. I think it's going to be big. I have a good feeling. I want you to go run it. They turn around. All of a sudden, the holdery is taking up 60 square feet in your store instead of 10 because that you realize they buy shoes once. They keep ripping their holdery every other day. They keep buying <laughs> one. They need nude. They need black. They need charcoal. They need, and now you're putting in Spanx in there. And now you put, holy shit, I got a big company running over here. So now all of a sudden you got a big company, Nelly. I mean, you've done it yourself. What do you do now?
0: So now I'll tell you what happened. So I run this thing for a number of years, like three years. And we made so much money that somebody came in and offered them to buy the station. This is before it was Telemundo. And they sold it. And when they sold it, I was distraught. And I went to see my boss. And I I started crying. I think I've told you this story privately before. I start crying and I said, how could you do this to me? Because I thought they were never going to sell it. And he says to me, young lady, those are my chips. If you think you've got what it takes, go get your own chips. Mm. Now, would a guy say that to me today? I don't know. He'd have the guts to say that to me today. But he said that to me. And I went home and I thought he was a jerk and I was catatonic for three days Um, and then I woke up a few days later and I thought I'm never gonna let this happen to me again I'm gonna start a business
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check
0: That's where I became you, but in a different category. Right. And, but I did everything wrong, Damon, because I, I, you know, what I probably should have done is, uh, you know, which is what I tell people to do now, the the new guy that was buying the thing wanted me to stay. And I was like, no, like, again, my ego. And I say to people, don't leave. Don't just think you're going to bootstrap a business from one day to the next and leave your income. Like side hustle it while you're got your job, uh, and while you figured out some stuff. You know, like I I went through four miserable years after that trying to start a business that wasn't happening, um, and I had to go back to CBS and like do stringer reports to make money, and uh, and I would and I would like my parents would be like, Why? What are you doing? You're going to lose your looks. You don't find a man. Why are you doing this? We lost everything in Cuba. Why do you have to be an entrepreneur? Why can't you just get a job? And I would hear this every day. And, you know, I called Jerry Parencio back up and I said, I'm trying to do this business. It's four years. It's not working. And he goes, when I was your age, I started a business. I lost money for 10 years. And then I became a multimillionaire. You're only in it for four years. What are you doing? Mm. Just keep
2: I might have said the same thing to you.
0: <laughs> and, But I also know from, from helping other entrepreneurs, you also have to know when it's time to give up.
2: Yes, you do. You said sometimes you got to know when to quit. Now, yes. That could be a relationship. That could be school. That could be a job. That could be entrepreneurship. That could be, I mean, smoking. I mean, but nobody said... Boy, I can't wait to keep smoking. So people at least know you got to quit that one. Um, how, how? I mean, what do what do we say to people because to give them that moment, maybe this moment for somebody.
0: I think when you are climbing up a mountain the hardest possible way, you know, when I was on Celebrity Apprentice, Gene Simmons said to me, and I thought at first it hurt me that he said it, but he was so right about, about this, about me. He said, even working on Celebrity Apprentice, which was just a show, it was fun. I can, I am so, you know, and he's like, "Galon, I feel like you're an immigrant that's climbing a mountain the hardest possible way. Why don't you, why can't you ease into it? Why can't you? And I, and he's not wrong. And I think that when you sometimes like The the biggest successes of my life have come easily. Like the door has opened easily. It's almost like the universe is showing you. And sometimes you're you're trying so hard. I think when you give it your 100% all and not one thing is going right, I think the universe is trying to tell you something. I think that in the case of me with that business, I, I, I did get little bites. I was getting little bites. And why? Because the timing was coming. So it wasn't complete. Like, otherwise I would have quit. I, I was getting little signs of positivity that amounted into a volcano. Like when it came, it came all at once. So I wasn't wrong. But I could have done it easier without so much pain. So I would say to you, if you're at it and at it and at it, and in, every business is painful. But I would say with you, with Hubo, didn't you get like, didn't you get like little signs that it was going to work out?
2: Yeah, a whole bunch of little milestones and little wins. Okay. Not that it was going to even work out, that it's just that, you know what, our efforts are starting to call, you know, we don't know, what we don't know, but we do know something's here. And I got, I just got a little win.
0: That's right. And I think there have been other times in my life where it's so definitively a disaster i mean i can give you an example that you have to give up and you just have to surrender
2: i want like to know that example but i want to know how did gene simmons within who's who's brilliant um yeah. I, I, I how would gene yeah. simmons within a little period of time be able to pull that analogy or 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 break you down to that extent where he can notice it because i'll give you an example you know is, is it going back to the ego or not i'll give you an example uh, one of my daughters never wants anybody to know I've always kept her out of the public light because, you know, when she was coming up, there was not social media. And I always want my little girls to be uh, great human beings upon them earning their right and doing what they want. I don't want the pressure. However, I do say to her sometimes, hey, you know, let me let me call somebody that I may know, um, you know, in that position, because I know you you want you need an internship. And she goes absolutely not and i try to break it down there and say listen i I know you want to earn this all on your own but by the way when daddy called my friends if i called Nellie to uh to 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 let you be an intern or work somewhere don't think you're going to get any special treatment matter of fact she'll fire your ass before she fires anybody because she's going to say i'm not going to allow damon would never allow his daughter to get this special treatment and get your ass out of here and so you're only getting your foot in the door after that. Nellie's got to run a business. She ain't going to be like, oh, well, the numbers are down. Let's just keep them down because that's Damon's daughter. So I always say get every every little aspect you can is helpful. Absolutely. You know, why does she make it so hard on herself? She acts like, you know, my daughter wants to make it hard. No problem. But is that when you're, how did Gene find that about you just like knowing that you were climbing the flat side of the mountain?
0: Because we worked on tasks together. And he's, remember, Gene Simmons is Israeli and he's an immigrant. I don't think people know that about him.
2: I did not know that. I just knew he's a rock star. And it we is, actually have the same, we never talked, but we've had the same IP Gene attorney Simmons for the last 30 years.
0: Gene Simmons was a school teacher in New York for years before he came, became KISS. Wow. And he came up with KISS because he said, I want them to wear costumes so eventually we don't even have to perform. Like, if, if like they could go on the, you know, it was mm-hmm. a smart move. He is an immigrant Israeli. And he knows from, he he, he felt me because he used to be me.
2: Mm, that's true.
0: So I think, I think that going back to, to difficult, uh, I think. Everything is difficult and and climbing to wherever you want to go is difficult. It's not easy for anybody. But you have to really again uh and I think you, you well, that's why we all need mentors. You need somebody to tell you it's time to call it a day.
2: It is. It is. And I guess that's the that's the important part having the mentors so then you know you you're questioning yourself, right? And and I, you know, we, we we I mentor a lot of obviously and you do too a lot of CEOs and stuff. And the question is gathering as much information, because when you start moving on these journeys by yourself, there's that one part where where everybody who was the naysayers, which is 90 percent of the world who just they don't see the vision or maybe they've been trained this way. You can't listen to them because you're moving into an area by yourself. However, there are people who have been there who are way further ahead of you. And if you have the opportunity to get a hold of their attention You need that information because as entrepreneurs and anybody who's like you and I, and the people listening, a type personalities, well, all the naysayers are behind us.
0: That's right. But
2: all the people who have succeeded are ahead of us. How do we, how do we, and where do we get that information from? You know?
0: Well, I'm going to tell you this. I I think I tell everybody I have had great mentorship and I've had great mentorship because I ask everybody, Not to be my mentor, because I think that's off putting, but I ask people questions. And I think I really have learned to listen to people older than me. I mean, my, I just did a podcast with my 80 year old real estate mentor, who's an older Jewish woman Mm -hmm. taught me, she was a real estate agent and she taught, she had made a fortune herself and she taught me how to buy real estate. I, I don't know why more young, especially I'm going to say young women, don't come to older women. We don't want anything from you. I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. If I tell you, don't go down this road because you're going to fall, you're going to fall. So, you know, I, the, the parts of me that have been healthiest, which are my business parts, uh, I think I have, I've had a hard, harder time, like all of us in, in personal life, because I think we're run personally by our hormones when we're young. And we make bad decisions. I could give I could give the women out there that are listening a whole speech about that. But in business, I have listened to my elders and I listen to my friends. And I listen to my friends that are minorities because we understand what we've had to we have a whole special set of issues that only we understand.
2: Holy crap, you know. <laughs> um I really want to get to I really want to get to some other aspects of your life with but- I keep I keep getting caught on all these amazing nuggets that you're dropping. This is a that moment for me. I just realized something. When I think of mentorship, I think of, um, I think of, I'm sorry, this is the way I think. I think of men or, and or women seeking out other businessmen, but generally men talking about and we we all all my circle of men, we talk about all the men we've talked to and I do know women who come to me and about level of mentorship and you know whatever, they could be women who are young ladies at 15 or 30 or 40. But I actually have never really heard of, besides women going to other matriarchs in their family, I don't necessarily know if I really have heard too many women say, I have a group of women mentors from all different walks of life. Um, and I asked them, who are, you know, in their 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever the cases, And I keep going to them to ask them everything from from, you know, because it's uh, it's challenging. I don't think that that is as popular besides the women who probably talk to their aunts and their mothers and grandmothers, of course. Right. Because they've seen, you know, what they've been through or what they who they've raised. I don't normally see many women seeking out a massive amount of uh, more mature women as mentors. Is that true?
0: I think that's true. I think that I uh, have cultivated these relationships because I, again, I see somebody and I go, God, that person knows something I don't know. And I ask them out to lunch. I don't like, I think, you know, a lot of people come up to you and me, Damon, and go, can you be my mentor? I mean, yeah. how many people can I mentor? Right. Yeah, it's, it's off putting. But if you say to me, you know, I really appreciate you. Can I take you to lunch or can I, or you said like, you have to be smart about it because I think relationships are cultivated, and I think that I, I, you know, everybody ignores people that are older. And when you ask an older person that's wise that has so much, and, and you ask them out to lunch, are they are they getting asked out to lunch a lot? And then they're they're there for you because they have time to help you.
2: Well, here's the best thing. the best, here's the best about older. When you ask older people stuff, they give no fucks. They're going to tell you. exactly what they think now now and i want to make sure that i'm very clear on that there are many 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 women mentor groups who are uh you know women in collective groups such as you have a bunch a cindy whitehead uh uh candy valentine robin robbins no i'm not talking about the women who may be executives all 30 40 50 i'm talking about a 45 year old asking an 80 year old about various things in life, who she is not related to. Don't get me wrong. I have I have about twenty people over seventy, primarily males, with well, maybe three of them are women. That I I still ask, hey, what should I What am I not thinking about when it comes to life? When it comes to my my children relationships, nothing to do with money. And they give me the most fascinating advice that I also apply to business later on.
0: Listen to this. I went to see an 80-year-old friend of mine a year ago, and she was passing. She passed since. And the last time I saw her, I said, tell me before you leave this earth, what do I need to know that you wish you knew at my age? And she said, you need to have a, a great mate at the end of your life. You need to exercise way more than you ever think. You need to, you need to study balance because everybody, most people die of falls and it's the worst way to go. Physical balance. Yeah. Balance, learning how to balance Mm. yourself. And I don't have to worry about you because you're very good with money, but you need more money than you think at the end. Mm. You're going to need extra help. And I said, and then uh, 10 days later, she passed.
2: I know if you would ask me that and I was, you know, sick on my bed, I'd have been like, enough with the goddamn questions already.
0: (laughs) You know
2: what? You know know what? I want to make sure that...
0: I'm going to tell you something. I just read this Harvard study on happiness. They asked all these old people what they wish they had more of. And And I really believe that people are craving deep conversations. And I feel... Like, that's the thing I love. Like, you know, you and I have had very deep conversations. Yeah. We get together. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's because we, I don't know why we we have a lot of simpatico and we go, I like deep. I don't want to go blah, blah, blah. I want to go deep. I want to, I want to really, you know, I was telling a friend of mine, I am loving this period of life because I love going back and thinking, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? It's also, we have children. I think we owe it to our children to tell them these things. What do I wish I had done different? I hate when people say they have no regrets. Everybody has regrets. They may not admit it, but they do. What well, do you think? I, what, has what's gotten me here still working for me? Or what could I do differently going forward now that I'm wiser?
2: Yeah, because it's gotten you there. With some of those things won't get you further. And sometimes it's... Some of the people in your life have gotten you there, but they can't you can't take everybody with you on this new journey because they're not ready for that journey. And I want to make sure that I hit those four points before we leave, because those are the things that I want people to know. I mean, those four points, that, you know, about balance, about having more than you think you need, about having um, a, a mate and those things. They're very, very critical. You know, I'm always in deep conversation with you. I mean, some I'm I'm heading to Paris next uh next week, and you know why I'm heading to Paris? I, I've been to Paris a million times. I've never been with my wife. I was always working, and and I never really enjoyed Paris. And somebody said to me, he said, you know, you got a little girl. He said, you know what I do with my little girl? I took her to Paris last month uh, last year. And I said, why? He said, because I want her to know that only a man that truly loves you is gonna take you to Paris. Oh,
0: that's so. Beautiful. So I'm taking
2: my little girl to Paris. By the way, my wife is invited. But anytime she gets out of hand,
0: I'm single. So you better find me that. (laughs) That's your job, buddy.
2: Exactly. But, you know, it's these little things that
0: it is little. the
2: the world is moving so fast. But these deep conversations that we're having, these little, little moments, right. Will change people's lives forever if they just really collect a lot of these moments and put them in an area where they where they see what fits for them.
0: And I think it's important for men to hear. You know, you're lucky because you and I, and you're very open and very authentic, but men don't like to always dig. Now, you know, I have a doctorate in psychology, so I like to go deep. But I think that a life that is not looked at deeply is like, what? it's almost like it didn't happen if you don't share. You know, my friend Sandra Cisneros, who's, who's our Maya Angelou in the Latino market, always says to me, you got to write your stories because otherwise they didn't happen. Mm. And I'm also saying you've got to tell your truths. You've got to unravel the truths of your life and share them. Otherwise, what was the point of your life? That's what was the reason,
2: reason of your existence? Yeah. That's critical.
0: Your wisdom, your regrets, all of it is so powerful for another person.
2: Now, Listen, we've had a we've had a great conversation, and this is extremely powerful. We're gonna have to do this again, and and, and and I know that so many people taking away.
0: You and I, I mean, listen. There's no there's no short of a material I, we,
2: I know. I mean, I got a re- I got a real. I got to look at this because there's four or five things I've taken out of it. What were you about to say?
0: No, I was gonna say that what I love, I think, why I like you so much is I think you and I both love to teach or impart what we know. But I think we also both love to learn every
2: day. Absolutely. They say, you know, make sure you learn something new every day, especially in the morning, because if you do, it may save your life. <laughs> but but uh, you know, I wanna I want to put a button on this. You know, after we've taken this journey, and I and and I know people, you know, I want I want to make sure they can exhale. I you would know,
0: oh, win
2: Yeah, you went through all those those turbulent times, the ups, the downs, the taking of risks, the moving over here. Then all of a sudden, you get to this really great point in life. Not that it was easy. Being the president of of, of Telemundo and uh, all the, the the Emmys, the seven hundred television shows, and now well, you're.
0: I'm Tyler Perry, by the way, in case all of you want to know, I'm Latina Tyler Perry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And, and, and you're at the top of the world and everything is going great. Once you had really turned back and looked over, you know, your past and your accomplishments, your failures, and you were at that really comfortable By the way, place.
0: Which I've had more failures than accomplishments. Of and course. Too.
2: And when you were at that comfortable place where you can start really deciding on what you want to do, when was the point when you either said, I've done enough and I need to move over here or I want to challenge myself again. Or when was that point?
0: I think when I had finally made money, which as an immigrant, I always feel like I'm broke, but I finally realized I have like, it was a moment where I'd made enough money that I felt somewhat secure, let's say. And I made a crazy decision. I thought I had a thought, if I were to die in a year, what would I regret? And the reason I thought that is because my son was in the third grade and he was struggling in school and he was diagnosed that he had some learning disabilities. And he said to me, I'm never going to go to college because you didn't finish college and you've done really well. And I thought I would regret if I died in a year, I would regret that my son never witnessed me finishing school not because i need a paper because i'm already successful but i want him to see that i i i acknowledge that i have gaps in my education and that i'm not a baked cake and i went back to school damon and i got a master's and doctorate in clinical psychology and i think it's the single greatest decision of my life not because i finished college necessarily but because I was super advanced in business because I've been doing it since I'm a kid and super regressed and immature as a woman. And I had made so many bad decisions in my personal life because of my immaturity that going to psychology school and having to go to therapy myself and give therapy to other people. And, and I would say that if I had to do my life over again, I would have started therapy at 15 because all of us minorities are carrying so much baggage that to cleanse that is, is a big load off your back. I realized that I was completely immature as a human being and very old as a career person. And I got to slow down my career and catch up and become congruent.
1: Oh God,
2: that's that's a, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother uh, me,
0: that's... That was the greatest moment. For me to be in the second half of my life as a grown, mature, wise woman.
2: And you would think, you know, people would think that the level of success with the title or the money or the, um, the acknowledgement is well, equal. Wait,
0: how many men have I worked with in Hollywood that are mega wealthy and they're messes?
2: Yeah, but, but people think that that's equal to success or, and we know, we, listen... We also know Hollywood that is
0: necessarily bring happiness.
2: So when, when, when somebody right now, and that, you know, so so people, some people, they go and take a hajj or uh, they go and travel the world. They, they go like you're saying, or they take up a hobby or they go and work at charitable organizations. They feel that with all this that I've had around me, something's missing. You felt something. Was, was missing and the most important investment in your life made it very clear to you that yeah mom nothing's missing i'm gonna do this because and then you, you probably said wait a minute no 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 i want to i want to complete this i want to complete this area of my life or go down this when does somebody know to do that
0: i think when you're when you're realizing that certain some some things are going wrong in your life even though some things are going very right and you're the common denominator in the story and you can't figure out why it keeps happening. I think you wake up one day and say something's wrong and I don't know what the answer is.
2: I did now, that. I, I have to think about it now reflecting on, you know, Google was, you know, was starting to slow down. I still had my other company and my other brands. And I realized that, man, I got all these houses, I got all these cars, but my friends are enjoying my houses more than I am. I'm never in them. I got a car, I live across the street. Why do I have a driver for a Maybach? I live across the street. Is it because of the 10 times a month that six people will see me get out in front of a club? So it's 60 people. That I'm spending, I don't know, a driver. I'm a back parking it. I, it's sixty. Is it? Why am I flying private all these times? Because is it because I don't know? The four people in the front row of the plane, the commercial plane, will see me. So I need to spend sixty thousand dollars or seventy thousand dollars round trip to California to avoid seeing eight people. Um and. I don't know, I get there, three hours difference. So I started shutting everything down. And I realized that probably about 30% of my money was being spent because it was just, that's what I thought I should do because, and I wasn't even, listen, I have nothing against anybody who flies private. I got nothing about anybody who just needs to be a chauffeur. It's just something that I don't like to do. I mean, I, I just don't give a shit. And when I started doing that, Not only the money, I just had so much more peace in my life. You know, um, I think that was a point where I said, I got to start searching out more spiritual conversations, more real. Then I started cutting people off, too. People, I was like, why am I dealing with you? Just because you're wealthy or just because you're cool or you're hip or you're a known celebrity? I don't want to deal with you no more. Or just because you're a family member, that doesn't mean you're cool. Doesn't mean you're not a thief.
0: I think these ah ahas happen. And I think a lot of people ignore them, right? Because it's too painful to go there to admit to yourself something is wrong. But I think that also when, you know, we're talking about an era where everything is going very fast and yet human beings need time to process things. And sometimes when we're going so fast in our career and we miss marker moments of your life, like, a graduation, a wedding, all the things that mark the end of an era and the beginning of another era, you you become regressed. I think for me, I've worked with more men than women and I've experienced men and and I didn't know how to explain it until it happened to me because I was living the life of a, of a successful man. That you're going so fast and doing so much and da, 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 da. And you're not realizing that you're not growing whole because you're not, you don't even have time to process what's happened to you. Hasn't that happened to you that sometimes you're working on a project and it all goes by so fast and then later you're like, oh my God, I I didn't even realize I did all these things. Like you didn't even have time to enjoy it.
2: It, it happened. Sure. It, it absolutely happened. I, I always say I travel the world, and I think I shook everybody's hand on the planet twice uh, by the age of 35, and the entire world was an airport, a boardroom, a hotel, and a restaurant. And now I will pull my pants all the way up to my uh, nipples, uh, put a camera around me, and put an I love wherever I'm at button on and walk around clean. <laughs> and, you know, and eat the food and go into the hood and see the people and just steal those hours of that day in that place to go know that city. Actually, I started to take up scuba diving because I've seen enough clubs. I haven't seen enough coral or ocean reefs. I want to see the reef off of Greece or the reef off of Australia. Forget the club, right? Um, and, and, yeah, it happened to me. And And thank God, though, I lived to be the age where I can make these changes in my life. That's right. Because so many of That's us have traveled have the world play. and never seen any of this and never seen anything in the world. And we did it. You know, it's the old, you know, I don't want to show my age, but it's the cats in the cradle and silver spoon the man in the moon when, you know, he saw his son and his son grew up to be just like him. And he realized what the hell just happened. I had so much that I got to go back now and digest from this, from all these special moments, from. The things that if people don't if they're not moving too fast and they really think about the depth of this conversation, obviously they can follow you on, uh, you know, and we'll go. I'll drop all your social media in here and all that. But from the points of, you know, um, watch where the information is coming from and be be very aware of those moments that are going to present themselves to the working on somebody else's job and uh, and or don't quit your day job or don't take the flat side of the mountain to. Asking elders in different aspects of life to completing and rounding off who you are, because success is not determined by uh, what the public may see. Are do you feel well rounded? Do you feel like all the aspects in your life are are really in shape? To the four things that that elder has shared with you, that uh, you know, while she was you know spending the last couple of days on this planet, to share with you that you you, you shared with us all. To everything else. So, I mean, thank you so much, Nelly, for having this time with me. Every time that I, I, I'm with you, I learn so much. I so. love
0: that we can go there. I love that you're a guy that loves to go deep. And you know what? And I think these are important conversations. And as I said, we're craving to go deep. I think we are.
2: We are. We are. So, for everybody else watching, where, where can we find you, Nelly? Uh, on your uh, social yeah, media, is so Nelly Galan so right? N e l y g a l a n.
0: N-E-L-Y G-A-L-A-N Alright,
2: and remember, get the book uh, It's already bi-
0: Find me If you go on Instagram, then you'll find all the other ways to
2: find me. Absolutely Well, I appreciate you. Thank you for sharing uh, this moment with us and sharing a whole bunch of moments with everybody else and making sure that now my head's going to explode because <laughs> I have to go back and rethink but- life again, which is great about basically okay. going back and taking inventory
0: big kiss to you, and I hope to see you soon in Miami. I
2: will see you in Miami, and I love you. I love you, too. That Moment with Damon John is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network. For more podcasts from the Black Effect Podcast Network, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite show. And don't forget to subscribe to and rate the show. And of course, you can all connect with me on any of my social media platforms at The Shark Damon, spelt like
1: Raymond, but what a D.